This is Rosie, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of my podcast called My Intrusive Thoughts. January 1865. The peace on a regular English train journey from Carnforth to Liverpool is shattered by one man's deranged laughter and erratic antics. Armed with a gun and attacking the windows to get to the other increasingly frightened passengers, he seems out of control. At the next train stop in Lancaster, the man suddenly becomes calm and serenity is returned. But as the train begins to roll again, his aggression returns. The motion of the train becomes the only means to gauge the man's behavior. His mood changes from one stop to the next, twisting and turning with the carriage. Now this bizarre occurrence was by no means the strangest case of railway madness reported during the Victorian era in Britain. There seemed to be some sort of connection between the railways and the people and how the motion of the train and the speed of the train was turning men in particular into beasts. Or, in the popular terminology of that time, lunatics. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a great week. Uh, it has been productive for you and you've been happy and you've had time to tick off all the things that you wanted to on your to-do list for the week. For me, it was a very bizarre week. Honestly speaking, a lot of weird things happened. In terms of my rotation, I'm supposed to be starting my Ghani rotation, my last rotation for the internship. And it's just not going through well right now. Like, uh, there are some delays, so I basically have to sit at home and wait for all of that to work out. Hopefully it will. Apart from that, we had a massive nationwide electric blackout. Yeah, that sounds bleak. It definitely was a bleak day. Because I woke up and I checked my phone and I realized that there is no electricity. And on top of that, it's not just my city, but literally the entire country. And on top of that, I realized that my phone only has like 40% battery. So I'd forgotten to charge my phone the previous night. And I did not have any other means of reaching out, like no Wi-Fi. And then because of the, you know, the stretch, the long stretch of the blackout, the signal boosters for some reason went out as well. So you couldn't even call anybody. I did not have any spare, like emergency light or anything so by the time it got dark i was literally sitting in in darkness like i had no way of uh you know lighting up anything except for matchsticks and a scented candle thank god for that and then so basically i spent the entire day taking that scented candle around and yeah that was a lot of mandarin oranges that i smelt that day god it was kind of hard okay but also Whilst going through all of that, I sort of had a realization. So as I sat in the darkness with no electricity, no Wi-Fi, and my phone was already dead, and I had nothing else to do, obviously. So 
I, I was just like thinking to myself how incredibly completely reliant I am on you know technology from things as insignificant as brushing my teeth to making my food to ironing my clothes to basically running a whole whole damn country and like you know when this whole thing started out I was like oh it's okay I could just like sit back read a book or something you know I'll pass the time but by like 3 p.m I was so bored my phone had run out of battery so I had no data so I couldn't really you know check my social media anymore and then it was starting to get darker because winter time so uh the days are shorter uh it gets dark earlier so it was starting to get dark and i couldn't read anything either and then i just had a scented candle with me to keep me company and after a while the scent started to sort of overwhelm me so i had to put it out as well and then i was like literally sitting in the dark and it got me thinking about the time when all of these technological uh, equipment and faculties, all of these technological um, advancements did not exist when people lived simpler lives, when people literally read under oil lamps and, you know, they washed their clothes with hand and they traveled on foot and carriages. And so that's how I basically got into thinking about the Victorian era. And I just went down this rabbit hole and I discovered that there was, <laughs> apart from being, uh, you know, on the verge of the, the start of the modern world, because this is the time when you see a lot of technological changes happening in terms of, you know, science, in terms of art, in terms of culture, in terms of um, the industrial revolution and so on and so forth. You see that these people were still living with those ancient ideologies, but also trying to break free from them. So it's a very bizarre combination of new technology plus old traditions, plus the fear and the excitement of, you know, trying to evolve. For a start, let me just, you know, sort of give you an idea of the Victorian period. So Victorian era in British history is the period between approximately 1820 to 1914 and uh, it is the time for the British Empire to be recognized as one of the most powerful empires in the world. And there were so many different aspects to why that was, but uh, one of the major reasons was obviously the Industrial Revolution, which uh, basically made the British Empire into one of the major manufacturing powers. And also because the empire itself was uh, expanding so much and so aggressively and so dramatically that we saw so much sort of diversity in cultures and cuisines and sort of ideologies and belief systems because everything was sort of getting connected on a larger scale. So the Victorian era is not only known for the clever inventions that happened during that time, for instance, we had the telegraph system and then we have we had the light bulbs being invented and we got to see the first public flushing toilet in England for the first time in an exhibition in 1851. So these sort of, you know, inventions and breakthroughs in terms of art and science, it 
really definitely paved the way for the modern world as we see it today. But on another note, if I were to ask you about what you thought of the Victorian era, I guess all of you would probably have different answers. Because somebody would probably say, oh, Sherlock Holmes. You know, somebody would probably talk about corsets. Or somebody would talk about Jack the Ripper. Or maybe somebody would be like, oh, they use arsenic, you know, in their makeup still. So, circling back to the start of the episode where I talked about this man who was having sort of a psychotic attack in the train, it's basically one of the weird things that happened during that time, one of the weird concepts that um, people basically came up with to explain something that they did not understand. And, you know, it's just natural that, you know, throughout history you have seen that with new advancements, with new technology or any sort of, you know, new invention or discovery, there's always this element of fear. There's always this element of anxiety because people fear what they don't know about. And so that definitely always plays into hesitance and the reluctance to adapt to a change, to sort of, you know, reach out and try new things. It's always there, you know. It's And I'm not saying that it's something unnatural or weird or something to laugh about because we are the same, you know. Thinking back to when the vaccines came around for COVID, I remember that I heard all sorts of dumb jargon, like literally that you could think of under the sun and people were saying all sorts of crazy things you probably have heard of the uh, microchip being installed in your bodies all sorts of dumb shit that as you know someone who belongs to the medical field i just couldn't <laughs> i couldn't connect the dots i was like how is how are people coming up with this I understand that, you know, there's always going to be a risk. There's always risk involved with these sort of inventions and especially when it comes to medicine. There's always a chance, off chance of things going wrong. But that in today's time is given. And, you know, when you're doing these researches, you always keep in mind that there's always going to be that risk and you have to explicitly, you know, tell everybody involved in it. But back in the day... There was no proper protocol of doing all of this, right? So people were just literally shooting arrows in the dark. And they're just hoping that it's going to be those results. And sometimes they did. Sometimes they got excellent results. And other times they did not. But a lot of times the negatives were so sensationalized that it just sort of became a trend, you know? Such was the case with trains. Yes, you heard that right. The Victorians were so not ready to adapt to the, this fast-moving vehicle that would help them get from point A to point B in anywhere less than a day. Because to them, it just seemed unnatural. So basically, to expand on that, what the fear of trains actually was, was basically that... There are these irresistible G-forces that, with the high speed of the trains, would compress the passengers and their internal organs against their backs, which would basically lead to uh, fatal injuries. Or there was another you know, theory 
that the women especially were vulnerable to high speeds because it would rip out a woman's uterus and injure you know their insides reproductive organs or drive them mad and then it later was established that okay you know after a while when all of that did not happen people were like oh no still because all of these sort of psychotic episodes starting occurring a lot well, not a lot but the frequency certainly increased so then people were like oh it's not actually affecting the physical body but it seems to be affecting people's brains so then came up with the theory that high speeds of the train were causing the neurons in the brain to sort of tear apart and to break down so that was what was driving the people insane not whatever medical illness they already had maybe they had PTSD maybe they were manic whatever their problem was it wasn't the people but this new invention that people were already fearful of they did not know much about and to give them credit for a while it did seem like the trains were at play because there were so many instances where people with their right minds with you know their right faculties would get on the trains but then as soon as this train starts moving these people just turn into these beasts and start like doing crazy things some people would just you know strip and uh, you know hang out of the windows and scream or others would try to attack their you know fellows in the compartments or you know they would try to hurt themselves or you know vice versa so basically all these bizarre uh, occurrences were sort of making people think that maybe it's not the people but the trains because all of that had only one thing in common and that was traveling on trains while doing the research i also read somewhere that even charles dickens uh had some sort of ptsd because of trains because uh he was once traveling on on a train and then he got into a railway accident and after that he just wasn't the same and he every time he took a train again he traveled on train he would always just get so clammed up and anxious so i understand because you know when you have to think about these it sounds so bizarre you know railroad madness or psychosis it's definitely fascinating to think about and all these sort of theories um if we did not know better would definitely sound like oh that person is definitely talking some shit up okay that makes sense but at the same time you got to also keep in mind that the element of the unknown was at play here honestly though going through this research definitely was a roller coaster ride because some of the things that i read were just so absurd that i just had to like pause and think on it to reflect on things that people were doing and saying in those times which obviously sound like a lot of crap now but people really religiously believe in all of that oh god one of the other theories that i came across was you know the sexuality theory so basically in earlier victorian times before this experimental research period starts there was this uh, idea that the females were essentially a smaller version of males but just like sort of turned outside in because obviously the males had sexual organs that were external but females had internal sexual organs right but then so even all this research was being done and new things were being discovered they realized that uh, there is a more binary sort of uh, concept of sexuality that they should be focusing on which basically was that men and women are essentially different people they are different in all aspects of physiology health and social behavior and from then on you'll see that 
this sort of made these exclusive spheres for both males and females and this sort of divided them in those two categories there was no gray area for them it was black and white which is honestly just oh god for example the railroad psychosis was uh something that happened to men so the men were more vulnerable to this disease but you know something like hysteria was more of a female disease it was basically used to describe emotionally charged behavior that seemed excessive and out of control and people thought that it was caused by spontaneous uterus movement <laughs> sometimes called a wandering uterus god just i just want to go back in time and want to watch doctors say that with a straight face i fear this patient seems to have a wandering uterus But obviously this wasn't something that was specific for the Victorians. This concept had been there for hundreds of years beforehand. So I don't really blame them for saying that, but it still existed even in the Victorian times. And then also they had like these frigid concepts about males and females and how they lived their life and how they should live their lives basically. So all of this sort of makes you feel a lot more strongly for these beliefs. because ultimately you realize that a lot of these concepts were unfortunately used to repress and oppress women and you know how victorians are anyhow known for their prudish and repressed behavior all of that played into these concepts being so widely used and accepted for a long long time actually another thing that i noticed about the victorians and why they seem so creepy to us in today's time was because of their obsession with death they were so freaking obsessed with death that they had their own culture associated with it and they were so particular about it that if you messed those up you were the biggest jerk in town now there's a lot of different reasons for why the victorians were so obsessed with death one of the reasons being that even though The Victorian era is considered to be the British Empire's golden age. The economy was flourishing and uh, there were so many amazing interesting advancements happening in terms of art, culture, all that. But still, the public was still living in middle class environment. They belonged to the middle class and uh, lower class. So they essentially had very tough lives. And especially in terms of medical science you'll see that there is a lot of skepticism a lot of reluctance a lot of fear a lot of anxiety associated with medical science and you know these experiments and all these advancements that were happening in the time because they were rocky at best you know they were yielding results but not always and so people were sort of not sure if they should trust these, these doctors or not cuz For example, you know, there was no anesthesia before 1840. So, it's just wild to think that surgeons were out there performing surgeries without anesthesia. And obviously, they were probably excruciatingly painful. And on top of that, there was no concept of uh, antiseptic or, you know, sterilization. So, they were using gunked up dirty tools to operate on these people and usually whenever they would be doing these operations they were not done in like sterile rooms that we have now like you know there's a whole protocol to start a surgery to end a surgery to you know look after a patient all of that 
But in those times, surgeries were often done in a public setting. Literally, it was like a public affair. So there would be medical students and sometimes even people came around to see, you know, people being butchered on a table. And it's it's crazy. So obviously, people were not really ready to adapt to all of these new technologies or, you know, these concepts of anesthesia or sterilization or all sorts of stuff. For women especially, all of these things were harder because there was this concept uh, involving anesthesia during childbirth that the church was like, you can't do it because it's unnatural. And they advised Queen Victoria herself against using chloroform for her eighth confinement because God had punished Eve's children with this child labor pain. So going against it, trying to subdue that would be going against God's word. So... You know, you see, now the church is involved, so obviously anybody who follows the church would probably sit back and be like, I'm not doing this. I mean, how many people did you come across who said the same thing when it came to the COVID vaccines? Right, so another reason why the Victorians were so obsessed with death would probably be because Queen Victoria herself was very much obsessed with death after her beloved husband passed away. Prince Albert, who died at the age of 42. So for the next 40 years of her life, the queen just wore black and she literally froze her house in time. It was as if he had never left. So the public sort of started adapting these practices themselves. With the invention of light photography, they were not able to take pictures. So how did they, you know, end up using that? One of the things that they did was they started taking photographs of their dead loved ones as if they were alive. So they would literally dress them up, the dead bodies. They would sit them down or like, you know, in a pose that felt like they were still alive. And then they would take photos with that. Yeah, they would pose with the dead bodies and take pictures. It just (laughs) blows my mind away thinking about it because that's just horrifying to think of. But there were other things that they did. Like, they would have this set period of time where they would be mourning. They were supposed to wear a certain color of clothing and they were supposed to eat a certain kind of food and they would not talk a lot or they would not attend social gatherings. And then, you know, after a certain amount of time had passed, they would then transition into, like, their normal lives. So it was a whole process. And then they did other things like, you know, they would not play music during this time or they would lock away their pianos or they would wrap the doorknobs of the house with black crepe paper and the servants and the carriages and pretty much everything else that they owned would also be draped in mourning colors. So most of these practices were for women. Because men needed to continue to do everything that they had to do because they provided for the household. So essentially the idea was that men would be the providers and women would be the housemakers. But not only that, even their funerals were so, you know, elaborate and extravagant that it was always like a big public affair. And they were all this massive, like, you know, you talk about having, like, your loved ones around when somebody passes away. But no, not the Victorians, okay? They would gather, like, a large crowd, basically have processions and with glass-viewing coffins and intricate headstones. 
you know, you've probably heard of keeping jewelry of somebody that you love. Like I still wear my grandma's ring that she gave me. My mother had a ring that her father gifted her. So these are keepsakes that you know you would normally keep from your loved ones, but not the Victorians. Nuh-uh-uh. The Victorians thought they would take it up another notch. Okay, instead, what they did was they would take like bits and pieces of their loved ones and keep those instead like literal pieces of them for example they would get their teeth their dentures or part of their like hair and they would like make that hair into jewelry and they would wear that and it was so common that at one point it just became normal for people to be wearing jewelry made out of hair like actual human hair it doesn't get more bizarre than this I think I'm gonna throw up just thinking about it. And no, it did not stop to that. Uh, their obsession with death would actually transition into fashion as well. Because yes, you've probably seen those corsets and you've seen those bonnets and hats, like those big extravagant hats that they used to wear in those times, the ladies especially. But if you ever paid attention to those feathered hats, you would probably realize that they had actual dead birds attached to them. Yes, that was a practice. And believe it or not, they literally made 67 species of bird go into extinction just because it became a practice to attach a dead bird to their hats. And people would kill birds just so that they could wear them on their hats. Not just you know, on their hats. They would make you know jewelry out of insects and other small animals like and wear it around their necks and wear it around on their fingers and you know make bracelets out of them it was it was horrible okay i i don't know how anybody found that fascinating i don't know why that was a thing but it definitely was and it just makes my skin crawl just thinking about it and if you're still not completely freaked out by the victorians yet there was this whole practice called the mummia which was basically grounding up mummies and bottling the powder up and and serving it as a form of medicine and it was widely practiced during the 18th century but by the 19th century people were like no longer consuming the mummies but instead they were unwrapping them which became like a whole sort of frenzy you know everybody was doing it. it was like the new trend you know it was supposed to be like a public event and there was this one you know incident in 1834 when a surgeon called thomas pettigrew he unwrapped a mummy at the Royal College of Surgeons. Can you imagine? I mean, it was done under the pretense of uh, medical research. But later on, it just became like a thrilling event that people would do for like, you know, fun. It was just sort of an entertainment. I truly don't understand what sort of thrill people were seeking by unwrapping dead mummies. And I just can't imagine the order. Can you? I mean, definitely that must have smelt bad, but... The Victorians didn't care, apparently. And I, I, I mean, I can understand because according to my research, that time was just, you know, they still did not have public flushing toilets and the air was stale. You know, the it was so polluted. The, the Thames was polluted as hell with sewage and all sorts of gunk and dunk. So it was definitely very smelly around and not hygienic whatsoever because uh, hygiene was still not a thing. In that time so i can i mean i can see why they were not bothered by the smell of dead mummies but what the hell 
Yes, so basically those were some of the weird things that people believed in or did for fun, you know, during that time. Like imagine living in the Victorian era and you basically are you just got invited to this, you know, lord's house for a mummy unwrapping party and you're like all dressed up in your corset and Oh, by the way, there was this whole theory behind corsets. Obviously, it was a fashion statement. It was like a, you know, trend, fashion trend at the time. But also, some doctors believed that wearing a corset actually helps to keep your organs in place. Because apparently, they were floating around in your body. So, wearing a corset to sleep would actually keep them aligned in place so you won't end up having... uh, I don't know, they, they won't slip out because obviously there was already the concept of a wandering uterus, so you couldn't just trust your liver to stay in place, could you? This took me almost a week to research because there was just so much. Like, I kept coming across so many vile things and I tried to include a lot of them. It's just bizarre, okay? Some of these things are just vile. How did people in their right minds think that this was actually logical some of these logics are so flawed that i just can't even i just can't but on the other hand i believe that you know maybe in a century's time or two centuries time people would probably be saying the same thing about us because with time and as technology and science and we as human beings evolve obviously we're going to be learning new things about ourselves that we didn't before and we'll realize and so probably will be a fool in some future scientist eye. Somebody would probably be making a podcast and making fun of the way we live today. So <laughs> it's it's crazy, but it's so fascinating. There's actually a lot more, you know, that I found and I would love to talk about that as well. But I think for today, I'm going to wrap this up here. And I would like to know what you guys think about all of this. What sort of practice, what sort of theory did you find the most fascinating or absurd or wild or whatever? And if you have anything more to add to it, uh, go ahead and do that in the comments. And I would love to know your opinion. Or I would also love to know if you want me to do another episode like this. Because I really enjoy doing this. Other than that... I would take my leave now and I hope that you're enjoying yourself and doing, you know, things that you like doing and staying safe as always. Allah Hafiz. Goodbye.